0: Hello, 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 Power Kids, and welcome to another Power Kid podcast. Guys, every episode, it is my honor, privilege, and joy to bring you great conversations with people from all over the world making great things for kids. I am super excited about the show today. I have Anand Dermalani on the line. Let me introduce you to him. He left his career in law and started InterCell Ventures in 2007. Since then, he has developed several hits for TV and mass retail, including Kickerball, the grab football, and the bright eyes blanket. His new venture, a collectible brand called Little Wish Lanterns, takes us into the heart of the toy industry, where we are working to build a brand new, vibrant toy brand. Anand, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, Such a pleasure. Uh, Talk to you every week, uh, but this is a little different. We get to go live uh, with what we've been building and super excited to do so. But like every other show, I'll start where we start. How did you come to be involved in the toy industry?
1: Well, you know, my background is really in uh, a category that is uh, known as As Seen on TV, where, you know, we would advertise a lot of uh, general merchandise products, through television, uh, and digital, et cetera. And, um, it was, uh, would have been probably far started marketing our first toy, you know, we'd be in a lot of different categories, pillows, and kitchen products and fitness products. And, and then we started marketing uh, toys. And, um, at that time I was, uh, handling international distribution for a company called, uh, idea village, uh, idea village products Corp. And, um, and they, they had a very successful toy. The, the name of the toy was called Fushigi. It was a, um, like a juggling ball. And I couldn't sell it through my traditional, as seen on TV, international network. Um, so I was trying to find ways to sell it, uh, sell this product internationally. And um, I couldn't make any you know, headway. And then one day, randomly, it was late at night, I get a call uh, from a guy in Australia, um, a guy named uh, Nir Pismoni. He calls me up and he says, you know, he told me he was, um, uh, the CEO of a, a company called fantastic in Australia and he saw Fushigi and he thinks it could be a, a great product. And he wants to send, he wanted to send me an order right away, like a huge order. And I said, come on, this, this is crazy. No way. you're All <laughs> through on that order. You know? Uh, I just, I just, it was the size of the order was, was so significant that I, I actually didn't believe it was a real order. Uh, but he kept, you know, kept following up, following up, following up. And, um, and he placed it. And, uh, he kind of turned me on really to the, to the toy world. And I started to understand the industry, um, a little bit from him. And then I brought him some other big, uh, products like, uh, pillow, pillow pets. I think a lot, a lot of people in the toy space, know know pillow pets oh, so yes. pillow pets. And then I started, uh, working quite a bit at that point with, um, with moose, and we, we started doing uh, a lot of as seen on TV products with uh, with Moose Toys, and I had a really great collaboration. I, I'd say this was all pre Shopkins, and then I just started you know just started to really understand how the toy industry really worked and their uh, their similarities and differences between as seen on TV and, and toys, and both I think can probably learn a lot from each other.
0: Yeah, well, Fujiki is such an interesting product. It's this completely uh, perfect glass type sphere. And and the way that you play with it, it it's it, it just magical. It looks like if you do it right, it looks like that ball is floating like it's weightless as it's kind of rotating around your hands and between hands. And and there's, there's a real wow factor to that great uh, presentation product, something that you want to have, you know, in the front of Hamleys, uh, having somebody uh, demonstrate out front. Mm. Um, and just, uh, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, seeing that and, and getting that kind of wow factor, uh, really can make a difference. It's one of the little known facts of the toy industry. Some massive hits have come out of, uh, as seen on TV, the as seen on TV world, I think about magic tracks and, yeah. uh, the massive success of magic tracks. And, uh, and of course, of course, pillow pets, and, and you were involved in the Snuggie as well. Do you claim that? No, I mean, I didn't design it. Thank God.
1: Uh, But I did sell it. Um, uh, I sold it internationally. Uh, intercell really started as a company that would sell a, a lot of other brands internationally, hence the name intercell international selling. And then, uh, and then we started to develop a lot of our own IP over the years, probably around like 2000, you know, around 2010, 2011, we started to develop a lot of our own products. Um, But, uh, but yeah, no, the the Snuggie was, was, it was quite a hit, I gotta say. I mean, probably 20 million pieces, uh, sold globally. Um, so it was, you know, it's, it's really fun when, when you have a sensation like that.
0: Great item, simple item, but, uh, but very, very visual, which, um, it's a fun thing to get your hands on. Uh, so let's talk about some of, uh, your successes. You know, Kickerball is a really interesting story. Tell us that story and how you know you've you've designed this soccer ball that allows anybody to bend it like Beckham. You involve some scientists in the development of this product as well. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So we the the predecessor to uh, kicker ball was a product called Swerve Ball, which was a baseball product. And you know, if you, I'm sure you know Wiffle ball, right? So oh yes, ball has holes in it, and so you know it. Um, the Swerve Ball. Uh, doesn't have holes. And so it's it's a plastic ball and it moves uh, quite a bit like a wiffle ball. But I think you can get better velocity on a a swerve ball than you can a wiffle ball. And of course, when you you hit a a swerve ball, it really goes quite far. So that was really successful. We launched that through As Seen on TV. At that time, we had licensed it through through Idea Village, uh, the company that I had worked for. And and it it was just really successful, driven, fueled a lot by TV. We advertise on you know, toy channels, but as well as on uh, ESPN and, and stations like that. But we we're looking for the next follow-up to that product. And of course, soccer being the the most you know popular sport in the world, we we're trying to come up with a great you know swerving product for uh, for soccer. And we looked at all these you know different types of concepts, and we did engage uh, a scientist from MIT to you know come up with. You know, a design that would allow a soccer ball to swerve and curve, and it had flaps on it and all this crazy stuff. It looked ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but but finally, uh, an inventor from the toy space, a guy named Phil Neal, came to me and he just said, "You know, oh, no, maybe you're overthinking this. I've got this uh, this concept. but It's basically a, a much lighter soccer ball, and it has a really nice material on the outside. And like, don't don't overthink it. This is a toy. You know, you're not really you're not." you know, it's not going to be a regulation soccer ball, but it's a fun product. And so, uh, it's like, you know, the light bulb goes off. You're like, you know, me, you know, he's right. You know, maybe I'm really getting, I'm really overthinking this. Maybe I just need to, this is fun and this works. And, um, and so we, we licensed it from him and it, it's funny coming from the ASEAN on TV space. A lot of times I'll bring items into the toy world and, you know, they get shot down a lot, honestly, <laughs> but, in the case of kickerball, I really believed it, believed in it, and um, I brought it to all my international distributors, and every single one of them turned it down. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I really believe in this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run a, an influencer campaign and just see what happens. This would have been 2000, and yeah, probably like 2017, 2018, and an influencer took it in the UK. I think uh, we paid him just a very little amount of money. He posted it, and the thing went viral.
0: Yes. I mean, completely viral. Yes. Um,
1: every single major soccer or football influencer, if you will, in the UK did a video on a kicker ball. Uh, I mean, guys who had you know 20, 20 million followers, that type of stuff, and we didn't pay for any of them. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know how many views we have on YouTube on that thing. Maybe you know, probably over 500 million, somewhere between 500 million and a billion. I I don't know, but we only paid for one influencer. So we really, you know, we were really fortunate um, that uh, we were able to have a product that went viral. Um, And since then um, we we continue to sell it. It, it, It's really a strong, strong product. And uh, we're selling it now in the U S as well. Um, And it just, you know, it grows and it builds every single year. Um, And I think as, you know, soccer in general is becoming a more important sport here. uh, Mm -hmm. It is world cup and all that stuff. So, um, so I, I think we'll have a record year this year and with kicker ball. And I, I, I hope it will uh,
0: continue, continue. And it just fits perfectly with the swerve line, with the, with the swerve ball, the kicker ball. Uh, and then you also have the grab football in, inside of the, the swerve kind of sports line that you yeah. have. And this has got a, a really interesting story, uh, that involves your, your nephew, uh, describe the product and, and tell us that story.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure like many of your listeners, right. You always have a family member who's like, I got this great idea. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And uh, you know, you shoot down 99.9% of them. And then, uh, but one day my, um, my, my nephew, he was, he, he has a, he had a, he has a congenital uh, uh, condition called Kawasaki. It's a, uh, a brain condition and the poor guy was in the hospital and he, he told me he had a great idea for a toy. Um, so he, uh, if, if you all remember the, um, the Odell Beckham famous catch, uh, where he does this amazing one handed catch, uh, it was like a Monday night game against the Cowboys and Ashen, you know, came up with this great idea of this football, this Velcro football with this glove that allows you to make a very similar catch to what Odell Beckham, uh, was able to do, uh, on that, on, on that night. So, you know, at first I was like, I don't know. I, you know, but I, I entertained the idea. He, he kept pushing the idea forward prototypes. And
0: I think that
1: that, <laughs> and, um, and I just thought like, wow, actually this is a, this is a really good fit for the line because we have something for baseball. We have now something, you know, something for, for soccer and then now something for football. And, you know, Ashton, uh, had a lot of surgeries, uh, but was able to, uh, you know, finally we brought the product to market and Ashton was able to appear in the commercial. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, we got the product into Walmart and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we're still selling it and, uh, still, you know, a really nice product to the, to the sport ball range, but yeah, we're really, uh, we're really proud of that product and we love it when it comes from, you know, an inventor, uh, and especially, you know, my nephew and, uh, and there was a cha- there was a, uh, a charity uh, component to that as well. So it, it was, it was a really nice project for us.
0: Yeah. In- inventors take note. It, it requires, uh, persistence, even if you're pitching your uncle. <laughs> right. uh, just, just a great, great story. Great origin of that product. Uh, Anand, talk to us about, you've you've lived in both worlds. Talk to us about the difference um, between the as seen on TV world generally and the traditional toy retail model. Are there striking differences? Are there similarities? Are there products that would work in one but maybe not work in the other break, break that down for us.
1: Yeah. um, I think about it a lot. And I I think there's a lot, you know, as I said at the outset, I think there's a lot to be learned from each um, industry, so to speak. I would say that the as seen on TV industry is far more data driven. And I think that the, the toy world is, you know, is um, far more imaginative and creative and uh, really understands line extension, you know? So that that's like the, the, the big difference that I see between the two industries, you know, it's, it's with the, you know, as seen on TV business, it's very much a one hit wonder uh, type of industry and you just have to keep coming up with lots of hits over and over and over again. Whereas the toy industry, you know, it really can take a great idea and just, you know, extend it uh, and extend the life and create brands. Sometimes I find it frustrating. Well, I can tell you, you know, when I started entering the toy world and, you know, uh, and I'd look at, you know, some of the show, you know, some of the great showrooms, uh, around the world uh, of toys, you know, they really, they bring you into this world and they kind of romance their ideas. Right. And, and, and it's really amazing the way they showcase new ideas, new products, et cetera. And then, you know, for us being from as seen on TV, we always feel like our data is good enough. So I could, you know, if I have a, um, you know a new product and it's not necessarily presented very well i would still think you would want to buy it because i have so much great data behind me um but that won't always that don't, actually doesn't happen most of the time um you know i, I find that the, the toy industry won't embrace it unless it's really presented in a beautiful way uh, whereas in the other case like if the asian on tv side it's if the idea is you know beautifully presented but doesn't have any data they wouldn't be interested So, um, and I think there's, if you can cross over, (laughs) it's probably the optimal way to, to, um, to bring it to onboard
0: items. Yeah, that's a really interesting breakdown. I always say, the toy industry is a is a show me industry. We want we want to see the working prototype. We want to see the world. We want to experience this product and really give that wow moment. So I, I think uh, you're right. The combination of those two, having uh, background data, but then really delivering a, a a new take, a new world, a new look, uh, a new brand. Those two things can combine to create just a fantastic experience for, for kids and parents and business owners, frankly. Uh, and it's a perfect segue because it's exactly what we're trying to do with right. Little Wish Lanterns, right? Uh, so right. we have worked together for a couple of years now, uh, developing this world of Little Wish Lanterns. We've got a Kickstarter that is live right now. We are poised to head straight into retail uh, right on the heels of that. And, and we're super excited about this launch but Anand, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Give us the origin story of Little Wish Lanterns, where the idea first, very first originated.
1: Yeah, I, um, so I, was, you know, I was in Hong Kong and I was going through all these amazing showrooms and all these incredible ideas uh, generated by these incredibly creative minds. I mean, I really have a lot of admiration for the people in the toy world. And after that trip, I was seeing a customer in Taiwan and I, I had like a free day. And so I went in, uh, to a mountain market and I, I, and I was going through this mountain market. I kept seeing these little uh, kind of tea lanterns, if you will, you know, kind of these little wishing lanterns. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, that's that's really cute. And I just kept seeing them and seeing them and seeing them. And then I, and, I, and then I thought, well, you know, there could be a great collectible line play here if you could take this idea of a wishing lantern and, you know, build a story around it and add characters. I just thought it struck me as a, it was something that could be a really incredible, um, collectible line with a great story. You know, I think, uh, wish, uh, wishing, uh, is a, is a really powerful thing, um, in life. <laughs> Forget about products, but you know, just in life, right. Just a dream, just to wish, you know, uh, using your imagination. And so, uh, started, um, Started the, on the idea. Initially, it was kind of a slow go, just trying to figure out what exactly, like whether you needed characters within the lantern or could the lanterns live on their own. And um, was introduced to some great people like you, and um, you know, and we started to really um, conceptualize this idea together and how we could create a, a whole world around um, around wishing and around um, these little wish lanterns.
0: And then concurrent to that, you know, the the whole world is going through these COVID lockdowns and I've got my kids at home and they're wondering what's happening why can't I see my friends why can't I go see you know grandmother what is happening here and so as we're working on this line and developing these little paper lanterns into a viable product um, I start telling my kids these stories about the little elephant Eric who travels through courage cliffs to find his wishing lantern and help to grant the wishes that we have to all get back together or to all go back to school or or this or that and these just start coming to to me as stories as, I, as I'm telling my kids. And and that began to birth some of the visuals and the idea behind who are the Wishables? Uh, what are the Little Wish Lanterns? What did they do? And that kind of thing. And so it, it's, uh, it's really neat that two events from completely different sides of the world your paper lantern and and my stories have combined to create what we hope is a is a great brand we've got these stories we've got these uh, 32 wonderful characters and and soon expanding on that and this really really great collectible Toy. Uh, What were the challenges, Anand, for you as you were working on this, and we were working together, ramping up manufacture? What were the challenges of this type of product as opposed to something like um, Kicker Ball or or Pillow Pets or Bright Eyes Blanket? Uh, What What were the differences there?
1: How long is this podcast? Because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, number one, you know, the idea was conceptualized pre-COVID, and then trying to develop a, a you know, a a collectible line, as I'm sure many people have probably gone through. It's just, it's just really hard to develop something when you're not able to really be in, you know, Hong Kong or China.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, uh, So I think we did a great job collaborating with um, a lot of toy experts uh, in the field from Indonesia to, of course, our partners in Asia, in Hong Kong. We had some people on the ground in Florida, you're in Tennessee. um, I'm in New York. So, you know, it's just, there are probably 10 people involved creatively on this project all in different locations, all through Zoom. Uh, many times people didn't touch the product or, or even feel the prototype until, you know, very, very late into the, into the project. So it just made everything go slowly. But what was great about it was how deliberate it was. A lot of thought put into every single decision. And it's exactly the opposite of what I've, you know, what I'm accustomed to being from asking <laughs> TV, which is completely Brilliant. impulsive and, great one item and just get as little bit of, you know, develop basically put as little into the product and get the information before you double down on it. Here on a collectible line, you know, you really it's hard for people to really um, visualize it unless you're able to deliver them the product um, in its in its best possible way. So we really had to go all the way with little wish lanterns and think about every little detail, conceptualize a world, come up with all the characters, obviously invest into a lot of tooling and um and really think about the storytelling of, of this line so yeah something i i you know is, is you know a challenge for me was probably breaking outside of my comfort zone as a as a marketer and as a product developer i just we don't usually go so broad right away um but we did that here and i think i, I think the line is great i think it's i think it's really special i, I think kids love it so far from what we've seen and, um, and I think also just stepping back apart from the project, I think the process that we, that we went through as a company was, was great for us.
0: Well, and, and along the path, we, we wanted to make sure that we were hitting uh, current trends. So we think we're on several trends, including light up. There's a night light element to this. There's a light show element to that. So, so you can have it kind of both ways. Wishing is on trend right now. And of course, uh, un- unboxing still rolling along, doing quite well. So we're, we're hitting several key points, um, were there features that you wanted to build in from the beginning that, uh, that were very important to you to, to capture what little wish lanterns was when you envisioned it uh, originally, as opposed to what we have today, what, what were maybe some of the differences or some of the things that you really wanted to stake your claim and say, you know, that idea is staying in.
1: Yeah. um, You know, one Attribute that definitely had to be in this uh, was the, was the light-up feature. I think doing that a light-up collectible line was something different and new, and I think it was central to a wishing lantern. So um, that's something we definitely uh, kept in the line. When I originally saw these wishing lanterns in Taiwan, uh, they were a lot smaller. So, uh, But in order to fit our characters inside the lanterns, the lanterns had to be bigger than what I had originally envisioned. But they turned out to be really cute. So you know, there's four lands that we conceptualized: Friendship Forest, Love Lagoon, Courage Cliffs, and uh, Happiness Hills. And some of the visuals that we came up with were really inspired by different beautiful, you know, some some movies that we had seen or places on uh, places in the world. Like um, like for instance, Courage Cliffs. I think the tops of those houses were inspired by Gaudi, the um, the famous Spanish uh, architect in Barcelona, so that whimsical style is what we incorporated into uh Courage uh, Cliffs, and then I believe it was in French at Forest, you know, is the uh the Ewoks, right? The, the 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 bridges, you know, crossing through the trees.
0: Yeah, that's um, right, in indoor, yeah. What, what would a light up indoor look like? That was kind of the, the inspiration for that. That's right, right.
1: So, um, so yeah, it's, it really came together and I think it's very cohesive and cute and inspirational.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to involve in in the brand was the contrast between lights and darkness. We had this light up property and so it needed to be light and fun. But at the same time, you really needed to have that those light contrast, the dark purple versus really bright neon yellows and greens. And I think that really comes through on the product and, and the packaging. So we have this robust line now, 32 characters to collect, six characters. Tea lights to collect, which I, I love. I love the tea lights. These are little, you know, one and a half inch diameter tea lights. You put your character on it, and they just light up your room beautifully. And then four unique individual lanterns, uh, and you've got the rare look tribe, which every collectible line has to have their chase figures uh, that you can collect. And so we've got that. We've got an app uh, where the child can can bring their character via a, a, a QR code into the app and play. As as that character so it is a whole wide world of fun. And uh, and we're excited to launch it, Anand. This has been uh, really, really fun. Thank you for coming on and sharing this uh, with my audience. Uh, it's been a blast to work with you and your team. Uh, it really has. And I just appreciate what we've built. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I would say everyone listening, go out and back our Kickstarter. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, we're really looking forward to some success there and uh, bringing this whole new brand to life for the world to see. So, Anand, thank you for coming on. It's, it's really been fun.
1: Yeah, it's been really fun. It's been a pleasure. And, uh,
0: yeah, thanks a lot. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Power Kid podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Leave five stars and a written review as this helps us connect with more listeners just like you. Once you're subscribed, you'll be able to check out the other shows from Adventure Media and Events. And a big thank you to them. They are the publishers of the Toy Book, the Toy Insider, and the Pop Insider. We've got you covered on all toy industry news and events. This show is produced by Power Kid Design and Development. We are a full-service toy and game development studio serving the industry for more than 20 years years. We provide illustration, branding, packaging, sculpting, prototyping, consulting, and much more. Check out powerkiddesign.com or email me at phil at powerkiddesign.com. Now go out and make something great. And remember you are creative because you were created. God bless. And I'll see you next episode.